0: When you begin any journey, you never really know how it's gonna turn out. You can't really be sure of anything except that you wanna start walking. And the more you walk, the more you find that the journey isn't going the way you thought it would. There are unseen twists and turns Storms you never saw coming, obstacles you couldn't have imagined. There will be days when you take a tumble, sustain an injury, lose the path, and start to ask yourself, why did I even begin? And it will be hard to come up with an answer. But take it from a fellow sojourner, when you steal your nerves grit your teeth and keep on walking in spite of everything you'll find yourself standing on a summit looking back over the path you've traveled and realizing that every pain big and small was worth it my name's ransom and you're listening to the ramblings of a revenant alien. Welcome, welcome to the Double R-A. If this is your first time hearing this show, i got to tell you, you picked a good one. Come on along with me as we wander down trails of the mind, exploring wisdom, wit, and wonder, all accompanied by some sweet and spicy strains of blues guitar, by yours truly. Whether it's a bright, beautiful day for you, or a dark and lonely night, I hope you find a refuge here, a place where you can let your guard down and let some truth in. I hope you find some light to take with you on your journey. And if so, hold it high and pass it on. It's been a bit of a month for me, my friends. I had a cold that just would not quit. It just hung on till the bitter end and kept my voice sounding, well, too awful to record and I started to wonder if I'd be able to finish something in time to get it to you. But, as I said up top, sometimes unexpected turns can come and then inspire great ideas that you look back on and say, man, that was the perfect thing for that moment. I got this idea that it would be kind of fun to take a look back at where we've come from here at the RRA, to listen back to a few stories from Season 1, when the accent was strong, and, except for the interviews, where I wrote the heck out of everything. The production value needed a lot of improvement, and the format of the show was still finding its way, but despite all the flaws, I have a great love for those tentative first steps that began the journey that brought us to now, and I thought it'd be fun to string a few of them together and just let those of you who might have missed them hear what you missed and maybe inspire you to go back and take another listen. After all, good thoughts are good thoughts, and worth mulling over, even when imperfectly presented. So sit back, relax, grab that bowl, drink, and uh, follow me into the past. This one's going to be fun, (laughs) y'all. For those of you that might have missed it, my pilot episode was called Burn the Ships. Listen through this segment and you'll understand why. This red-hot-and-smoking pilot episode is called Burn the Ships. For those of you who don't know what that means, allow me to explain. In the early 1500s, a conquistador named Hernán Cortés landed on the eastern coast of what is now Mexico. Determined to make a conquest of the Aztec Empire. Not a noble goal by any means, and I'm not holding Cortez up as any kind of moral model for living, but he did do one thing that, I think, provides a useful lesson. You see, amid all the political jockeying with the Spanish government of Cuba and potential mutineers among his crew, Cortez knew he had to do something positively apocalyptic to maintain his course. So, before those mutineers could strike, steal a boat, and return to Cuba, Cortez burned his ships. He cut himself off from escape, from any kind of way back. He and his men were now committed to the path in front of them, come hell or high water, because it was that or die. Again, I'm not endorsing conquest, and certainly not the kind undertaken by the Spanish of that epoch, but I must say, I do see the wisdom and destroying your out, of slicing up your safety net, of saying, either I do this and succeed, or I die in the attempt. Whatever die might mean. Might mean utter failure. It might mean humiliation. But there are things we'll never be able to accomplish unless we have no choice but to go forward And thus, one of the wisest, most frightening, but most motivating things you can do upon starting any endeavor is burn the ships. You see, when I'm not writing podcasts, I'm writing movies. I've been banging away at this for almost 20 years and somehow have survived despite my ludicrous lack of preparation for hacking my way into the jungles of Hollywood. How do I account for this? Well, first, it was a divine calling and thus not one I can give up without devastation. On top of that, there's been divine provision, which to this day I cannot explain. But a prime element of all this is that I followed the advice I'm giving you now. I burned the ships. I took away my out. There is nowhere else for me to go. I have been called here, and whatever it looks like, this is the mission I'm on. I found my hill to die on, and planted my flag come hill or high water this is where you'll find me and I'm telling you all this because I imagine for many of you there's some ships you need to burn you need to commit without compromise to something that you were made to do you need to leap you need to start and screw all the reasons why not burn the ships my friends there are adventures you'll never experience until you do Thank mm-hmm. you. once survived a motorcycle accident here's the story from an episode called lessons in the wreckage so what exactly is my fascination with wreckage you ask well from 2007 through 2015 i rode a gorgeous little royal blue v twins sport bike moderate sized with manageable torque but uh, that baby had a good dose of get up and go And as a Californian, I am legally allowed to lane-share, which is a subdued way of saying that I can ride between cars like a madman, if I so choose. And I admit it, I did. I had more than several close calls, which I did my best to take to heart, but you know how we humans are. The longer we go without hitting a wall, the more we imagine that we are invincible. As you've no doubt guessed, one day my luck ran out. I was riding home from work to my beautiful wife and three kids, doing about 35, coming up on a stoplight that, sure enough, hit yellow right at that point where you gotta decide whether you brake or accelerate. I went with the latter, and so did the guy who was turning left across my path of travel. I hit him going 40, square in the side of the hood, and by the grace of God, I went straight over like Superman did what I have to imagine was a lovely somersault, and rolled to my butt out in the middle of the intersection. And, Lord, I got off so easy, it's kind of shameful. Bike was totaled. I didn't even break any bones. Now, there were quite a few things that I learned from that experience, which could be a podcast all by itself. But for today, let me focus on this. I suddenly became acutely aware of how my riding habits had contributed to that crash and how it might have been avoided. And to this day, after thanking God for sparing my life, I think on that hard lesson and I'm grateful for the wisdom it gave me. And that's where we'll be rambling today, taking a look at common failures and collisions we all tend to make and mulling the hard truths that they impress upon us. Hopefully by doing that, We can avoid the accidents the next time they appear in front of us. I hope so anyway. So buckle up. Let's get out on the road and see what we can see. Favorite things about the audio medium is sound design. And while I can't really do it every week here on the show, I did take a crack at it in season one with a little episode called In Nature. Here's a piece from that one dealing with one of my favorite natural phenomena the storm. Is there anything more awe-inspiring than a storm? To see the angry clouds spit lightning. To hear the appalling crash of thunder so loud your eardrums buzz. To stand before the whirlwind and feel as if you are looking into the heart of some ferocious, raging beast. It's electric. It's frightening. And it makes me feel so alive. It's drama, you see. It's a glorious interruption of our humdrum lives. A storm is a symphony. It opens with a tiny overture of wind, raindrops and distant lightning building into movements and climaxes of hard rain and rumbling thunder like some great behemoth is driving a hammer down onto an anvil. I empathize with ancient cultures that saw gods in these storms, divine forces of wrath and destruction. How can you not? I'm sure even the most skeptical person alive still feels a thrill when they see a colossal, implacable force of nature roiling in front of them. Why do storms strike so deep into our soul? The dry scientific explanation, I think, is that our lizard brain sees an all-pervasive threat and wants to hide. But to me, that doesn't cover the wonder. Awe, reverence, veneration. Why would a storm provoke these things? Why does any natural phenomenon bring us to a place of worship, for lack of a better term? Whether theistic or new age or naturalist or animist, when we humans immerse ourselves in the power of nature throwing a fit, we can't avoid the impulse to bow or gasp or sit in meditation. It wells up in us. Like a primordial memory, this realization that we are looking into something so beyond us. Me, I see God. And I smile to think that he likes to knock things around now and again. I know that storms do cause horrifying damage and loss of life, so I don't mean to be callous. I just can't get over the glorious, jaw-dropping spectacle of a tempest. Living in LA, I miss them. I really do. If I didn't have a compelling reason to be here, I'd move back to the Midwest, buy a house out in the country with a nice strong storm cellar, hang my wind chimes, and enjoy the show. A good storm is a soul nourishing thing. Wherever you are, I hope you get to enjoy one soon. May you sit back in awe and marvel at the drama as it unfolds. If you know me, you know I'm a pretty optimistic guy, and I generally deal in hope for most of these episodes, but I think a very important part of the human experience is dealing with the darkness that surrounds us. I took an episode to do that in season one, and here's a little piece from that episode. It might bring you down, but remember, the shadow proves the sunshine. Here you go. A few months ago, the family and I took a little jaunt up to a campground northeast of L.A. It was a fine time, and I look forward to the next, but there was a moment up there that I'll never forget. I was walking down a footpath, just strolling through the sunshine on my way to meet up with the wife and kids, and I saw a family coming toward me from the other direction. Beautiful family. Dad, mom, two little blonde-haired girls. As they got closer, I smiled and waved and said hello and the parents returned the greeting as we passed each other. It was at that moment that my attention focused on the older daughter. She must have been seven or eight and just a ray of sunshine. I smiled as I keyed in on how she was holding her daddy's hand as they walked together just like my girls do with me. But then I noticed that her eyes were closed and then I heard this scraping sound. And I finally noticed that she was carrying this stick pointed out in front of her, sliding it along the ground. And then they passed me. And as I walked on, I realized that was a white cane. The long pole used by visually impaired to navigate the world. She was blind. This gorgeous little girl, so young, with so much beauty about her and so much life left to live, had to, had to learn how to be without one of her senses. She'd never see a sunset or the stars or the faces of the people that love her. And that just slammed into me like a runaway truck. What do you say to that? As a parent, how do you ever move past the grief? Why do millions upon millions of children suffer? Why doesn't somebody do something Why doesn't God stop it? There's a range of answers I could give in this moment. And in other episodes, I've done so. But here, I just wanna let that question sink in and sober us up. See, we live in a world where so, so many are born into suffering, in body or circumstance or both. And for many, that will never change. They will live and suffer and die. And that is appalling. That is what hope has to contend with. Let's not pretend otherwise or sugarcoat the heroin dilemma we find ourselves in. Don't you see it? The darkness covers us like a shroud. And we don't seem to be able to dispel it. Remember that. Okay? now for something a little brighter, a piece from an episode called Art Slash Creation. A reminder that the best way for you to create is your way. Take a listen. Now, even as I motion toward all these other successful creators, I want to make a point that I rarely hear made. When it comes to your creation, the how is ultimately up to you. Don't get lost in method books. You don't have to follow anyone else's system. Ain't no flawless formula, no paint by numbers win the jackpot procedure when it comes to artistry. There are tried-and-true techniques, sure, especially if you're creating in the field where technical proficiency and accuracy is a must. But even then, how you order and combine and evolve those techniques must be authentic to you. Because creation is alchemy. It is a summoning of hidden things, the closest thing to bringing something out of nothing that humans ever experience. And what we create and how we create inevitably flows from who we are. Thus, we must each find our own way, our own regimen, our own touch points, our own process, our own voice. And if anyone tells you that their method is the method you have to use exactly to create, Chances are they are either irredeemably pompous, thoroughly ignorant, a hack, a con artist, or something equally unhelpful. Not that they have nothing to say. Their analysis of finished works can be useful fodder for how to think of your work. Potentially tools for helping you find your way out of a corner. But that's it. They are simply things that have worked for other people. Chances are low that they'll be exactly what you need. But what you need is already in you. Nothing wrong with looking elsewhere for some direction. Influences are helpful, illuminating and energizing. But ultimately, you're going to have to make your own thing your own way. And that's good. It means you'll make things that are true to you. And those are the most valuable things you can give the world. Because no one else but you can make them. And if you don't make them, they'll never exist and we'll all be the worse for it. Don't get bogged down in finding the right way. Find your way and get to work. next one's from an episode called Chance and Fate, where I admit I wax a little poetic, but this segment you're about to hear is something very personal to me. It's about my wonderful youngest daughter who got dealt a pretty tough hand in life, and yet the way she plays it inspires me to no end. Check it out. The other day, in between a couple of doctor's appointments down in Hollywood, I found myself sitting in a cafe inside the hospital where all three of my children were born. It was a strange moment, and not only because I was nearly the only person around not in scrubs. It was strange because of the heavy train of thought rolling through my mind, even as the bright sun shone in from outside. You see, about eight years ago, our youngest came into this life with a set of challenges that would bring most of us able-bodied grown-ups to our knees. And this little girl got him right out of the gate. She was ushered into a war without any choice, given hurdles to clear before she could walk, with more on the way. Many a time I'm overcome by that thought. Why do we get the cards we get? Why do some of us get aces, and some of us don't even get a full hand? I hear people say that certain circumstances are cruel, as if what happens were willed by something, or someone. Cruelty, after all, requires an actor with a cruel intention. I wonder if the people that use that language actually think that there's a sadistic force out there twisting the dials. Maybe they're just being poetic. I, on the other hand, actually do believe there's a sovereign hand at the till, which makes the seemingly arbitrary pain of my child so much harder to understand. Is there really a higher good here that's worth all this? I have to believe there is. But let me tell you, doing that is not easy. But it does give you the strength to do what you have to. After all, we all have to play the hand we're dealt, whether there's a point or not. Here we are. If we fold, it's over. We'll never know what could have been. You see... My little girl, who sees more than half a dozen doctors, takes two daily medicines, goes to bi-weekly infusion treatments given through a permanent port in her body, wears a constricting brace to help with her spine, does multiple therapies, all while just trying to live the life of a seven and a half year old. This little girl still smiles and laughs and dances and sings. She has a giggle that'll make you believe in heaven. Would it be as beautiful If it were not flying in the face of all the reasons to weep? Could it be that that beauty is worth the pain? Though it is so difficult, I do see a bigger plan at play, even though I cannot understand it. What I can do is marvel at my daughter. God, she puts us all to shame. Now, I know this show is called The Ramblings of a Revenant Alien, but every now and again I will go on a rant, and that's what this next section is. It deals with a topic that I have some pretty strong opinions about, as you'll see. So, brace yourself. I hate marketing. I really do. Polished, perfect, slow-motion images of people laughing and smiling and living their best life, beckoning us to join them. All because they got that new vacuum, or streaming service, or cell phone plan, or truck, or vacation rental, or God knows what. I mean, get blasted, huh? That ain't real. It's not. Products and services and your job and your home and holiday sales cannot guarantee joy, which is the lie that so much marketing is telling us. And it's so ridiculous and transparent and nauseous sometimes. Like this one campaign recently. A tennis star is pretending to be inside multiple different cable shows, and she's telling the characters about this new TV, cell phone, internet smorgasbord. Like that'll make us happy. There was this one time when I was working in marketing, and an executive actually said out loud, It's not truth for tithing. And everybody laughed. I wanted to vomit. Good God. And yes, I know, I'm being overly harsh. But I'm not entirely wrong. And what's so sad to me is that I know that marketers are just trying desperately to put their best foot forward. People are just trying to make money and or do good so that they can just live their lives. Okay. But could you not openly tell lies that we all know are lies? That debases us all. It disrespects our intellect and integrity and craps on the real lives we do have and have to live out. And what's worst is that it breeds cynicism, so that when the actually true and real comes along, we think it's too good to be true. That nothing is actually good and true and beautiful and real. We've been disappointed too many times. We've soaked too long in the lies. And that is a grievous tragedy that so much of marketing has helped to build. And that's why I hate it. Because there are good and true and beautiful things. And they should not be diluted. One last look back to wrap it up from an episode called Black Sheep, an encouraging reminder. If you feel like an outcast, don't despair. You are not alone. One last rumination before I let you go. No one really understands how all this works, this strange universe in which we find ourselves. We all have our theories and beliefs, but... We're all crawling in the dark to one degree or another. And I think that terror is one of the driving factors of in-group and out-group thinking. Which is what leads to some people being called black sheep and worth less when in fact they should be celebrated. Would that every outcast story ended like the film Rudy. and Where the underdog finally gets his or her due. A moment of glory where all the struggling and sacrifice and anonymity is finally recognized. Alas. For many of us, that will never be in this life. We hold out hope for it, but we can't guarantee it. Again, we're doing our best. Crawling over rocks, uneven ground, maybe broken glass. And it's that unifying condition that should bring us all together. Help us hear each other. Stop pushing each other out. Stop fighting when we should listen. But ultimately, if we're crawling in the dark, what we need is light. If we're a black sheep out there alone in the wilderness, what we need is a home. We need another conscious being who knows we exist. Which is why I find so interesting this ancient rabbi who described God as a great shepherd, who was actually everything we hoped for, who would leave the 99 normies and go after the one wandering black sheep, because he loved that sheep just as much as all the rest. Maybe even a little bit more? Doesn't that sound too good to be true? Hmm, most definitely. But I think that's part of why I hold to it. It's an ideal that seems to me to come from outside the human capacity. It's not something evolved apes should long for. And yet we do. And knowing we all share that wish, especially the outcasts, I hope we can all be a little more open-hearted when possible. And I gotta tell you, I think, I know, it is possible. Because we're all just black sheep. We're all just looking for our way home. Yeah! Hey, wasn't that fun? It's like pulling out an old photo album and uh, rolling your eyes at your hairstyle and wardrobe choices, right? You know, but it was still you. It's where you came from. It's what you grew up through, and it's always good to remember that good things happened all along the way, and they shouldn't be discounted just because maybe they were a little rough when they happened. You know what I mean? I hope you get a chance to take a look back at your own life sometime, realize what you've survived and overcome, and take some hope for what the future might bring. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Henry P. Maynard, who provided the storm sound effects that you heard. Henry, you are a gentleman and a scholar, and I can't thank you enough, my friend. Y'all check out his stuff, okay? I'll link to it in the show notes. And if you thought this was good stuff, please do subscribe and share, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It really helps people find the show and the good stuff that's here waiting for them. If you loved it so much that you feel compelled to support us in a concrete way, just head to the last link in the show notes. It says support click through that and you'll find a way you can give a teeny tiny bit monthly to help us keep doing what we're doing and to take care of guests that come in for the Ramble Room interviews if you want to reach out to me you can do that at revenantalien.com contact I'm also on Twitter Instagram and Medium just search for at a revenant alien and look for the logo turns out I'm not that hard to find and as always if you're trying to make sense of your journey what's come before what's happening now and what you're looking at down the road, I hope you check out revenantalien.com searchers. If you ask me, it's the key to making sense of every disconnected event that may have come before. And I hope it helps you. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you out there.